RiskWatch is a due diligence and compliance podcast featuring interviews with leading compliance, investigations, and research professionals to shed light on global corruption and compliance-related issues. RiskWatch is brought to you by VCheck Global, a business-to-business provider of due diligence, background checks, employment screening, document retrieval, and specialized research of both business entities and individuals. Seth Harlan of VCheck Global here, joined by Nicola Bonucci, partner at Paul Hastings. Nicola is a speaker at the 38th International Conference on the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Nicola, it's great to have you on RiskWatch. To start, what are you looking forward to most at the conference? Well, I'm looking for a number of things. The first and foremost is to be able to see real human beings uh, we have been deprived of that for more than one year, actually almost two, and it will be great to reconnect with people. And I, I mean, uh, you know, remote is wonderful, but there is some part of it which uh, uh, you're missing, you know, the, the coffee breaks, the side discussions. And this is not only social. We're also talking about side discussion that you can have with the regulators, and there will be several of them attending the meeting. Uh, with uh, other uh, colleagues, with possible clients. So, the, 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 you know, the reconnectivity is very important. The second point is it will be also an opportunity to take stock of what has happened in the last one year and a half. I know that we're going to discuss about uh, what has happened in, uh, in the last one year and a half. Uh, and also to chart a bit the future, what is in front of us, uh, how much of what has happened We'll, uh, we'll go back to pre-COVID times and how much uh, will stay uh, with us in the future. And so touching on a bit of what you said, just reflecting on uh, the pandemic, what pandemic-related compliance issues surprised you? So the, the, the biggest surprise in my view was that there were no real surprises uh, in the sense that we could have anticipated uh, uh, maybe a collapse of compliance. I think the companies were quite quick in, in reacting for a number of reasons. Um, because part of the compliance program were already working remotely, like training programs and things like that. Others had to adjust, like internal investigations, interviews, uh, you know, uh, assessments. But but companies were quite reactive to, to, to adapt to the new course of action. And even regulators... Uh, when you think that the, the U.S. The Department of Justice issued its revised compliance note in the middle of the pandemic in June 2020, I think there, there was also a signal given to the company, we are continuing to work business as usual, you know, uh, and I think the company got it. But having said that, uh, and, and in fact, a number of companies even possibly took, an, took this as an opportunity to, to, to take stock of the existing compliance, internal control and compliance program, uh, and to reassess those and maybe to evolve. Maybe those uh, evolution would have happened in any case, but they have been accelerated by the pandemic. Now, having said that, uh, there were, I think, I wouldn't call them surprising, but I think there were some interesting twists. First, you had companies who had to think about compliance, uh, whereas they were not used to think about that in the, in the same manner. I think about companies that were not, for example, 
export-prone companies that suddenly, because they had masks or you know any health equipment, started to export massively outside of their own country. Those were companies which sometimes were medium-sized, even small companies, and you know getting to the cross-border transaction market it, it requires some adjustment. Uh, there were also companies operating in sectors which suddenly were became sensitive, and companies which had not given a thought about issues like gift and donations, but because they were operating in this, in this sensitive sector about health, for example, were asked by local governments or even national governments if they could donate or give masks or other equipment to people. So th- those are maybe the evolutions that, that uh, were interesting to note. Oh, that's very fascinating. Um, and just looking at the legal industry, what's the prevailing attitude towards the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and other globally relevant anti-bribery and anti-corruption statutes? So the paradox of 2020, which is, let's say, the first year of the pandemic, was that this was, in terms of enforcement of the CPA, a boom year. You know, it started with the Airbus settlement, ended with the Goldman Sachs settlement, and uh, and you know, Airbus and Goldman Sachs were settlements uh, in which the U.S. played an important role, but were also multilateral settlements. 2021, uh, for the moment, is less such a big year in terms of enforcement. Uh, but what is interesting to note is that, and this is what we, are, our practitioners, are, are keeping an eye, is that the fight against corruption, in particular transnational bribery, is still very, very high on the agenda both international and national. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, this year, uh, we had the first United Nations General Assembly special session devoted for corruption. The UN has been there for 75 years. It was the first time in 2021, June 2021, that the United Nations General Assembly had a special session on corruption. Last year was the first G20 ministerial on anti-corruption. Also, G20 has been there for 10 years. It was the first time. In uh, in France, in June of last year, there was a very important uh, policy memorandum issued on foreign bribery, which, again, was the first time that something like that was published in, in, in France. And in the U.S. in June of this year, we had the Biden memorandum, which will be addressed, actually, in the conference uh, in, in December. So uh, there is... A lot going on. There is a link which is made between corruption and sanctions. There are projects both in France and the UK about amendment to the national legislation. There is a lot to be uh, looking at, even if maybe in terms of enforcement of cases, this year has been maybe less dramatic than last year. And then finally, a major talking point has been environmental, social, and corporate governance or ESG compliance. What's this scene like in France and what do you predict for 2022? So in France, it will be very difficult to predict something here <laughs> uh, uh, because, and I will explain you why. Uh, I will explain why. Seth. Uh, there, there will be an interesting conjunction and I, know, I don't know exactly how this will go politically. On the one hand, France will take over the EU presidency in the first semester. So from January to June, late June 2022. On the other hand, in April 2022, France will have presidential elections. 
I'm not going to tell you how disruptive presidential elections can be in a country, and I'm not certainly making any parallel to what has happened in other countries, but, but it will take a lot of energy and, 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 uh, and focus. So I don't know exactly where France will be located in 2022, but I think it would be a mistake to look at France in isolation because what will, what I think people should watch in the ESG space is what is going to happen at the level of the European Union. And at the level of the European Union, there are at least two major initiatives that should in one way or the other materialize in 2022. The first one is a proposal for a corporate accountability directive, which will, for the first time, uh, guide and regulate companies' activities throughout the supply chain. If this is, there are legislations in some countries, but not in all the European Union countries uh, as of today. If this, if this regul, if this directive, sorry, is adopted in the course of 2022, this will have a major impact, not only, I would say, on European uh, Union-based company, but also in any company operating in Europe. And the second uh, work stream that uh, we need to watch um, closely is in terms of uh, ESG reporting, um, because the Commission put forward a proposal late April on a corporate sustainability reporting directive, which will expand considerably the scope of reporting uh, for companies. And also, the Commission will also put forward in the context of 2022 uh, standards of reporting uh, for the implementation of this directive. So for me, the space to watch in 2022 is not so much France, but is European Union. Nicola, thank you so much for joining Risk Watch. Uh, this was a great conversation, uh, and we hope you enjoyed the conference. Thank you.